Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, a Peugeot Rifter GT Line Blue HDI 100 SNS Special Edition. You can tell who had the car and who wrote the header this time. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. Yes, indeed. I did have a Peugeot Rifter GT Line Blue HDI 100 SNS Six Speed Manual, if we're going to use the full title, as we should, Alan. Oh, really? <laughs> we didn't, did we? <laughs> You are lucky. I was in two minds to just say a Peugeot special edition. <laughs> and now, after 50 minutes of the podcast, we will start on with <laughs> exactly what it no is. no idea. <laughs> That's what it feels like. Uh, right. I tried out one of the options when it comes to family transport or to a vehicle that is uh, a van-derived that is out there at the moment. If you remember last year, I tried out the Mercedes version of this. The Mercedes version of this? Well, Mercedes van-derived vehicle. Oh, van-derived. Sorry, Sorry, I was about to go, but that no, was No, no, no. It is not part of the platform sharing. Sorry. No, you're quite right, right to point Sorry, that out. Sorry, you have right to point that out. So this has a 1.5-litre turbo diesel engine, which gives out 250 metres of the torques, and that equates to 100 brake horsepower. Ooh, feel the power. <laughs> Had a six-speed manual gearbox... Combined MPG official via the new WLTP, mm-hmm. etc., is 51.6. I managed 49.7, which I was quite impressed with, actually. It's not bad. Produces 113 CO2 grams per kilometer, which equates to, mm-hmm. when you get to the point of paying VED, 145 pound. This car that I had was 24,455 on the road as standard. PCP costs can be found on just a quick glance on Google or other search engines are available. And if you chuck down a deposit of, say, two and a half grand, 10,000 annual mileage, you're looking roughly 275, 280 a month for 36 months. But that, that, and that is PCP. So, the, you know, you either hand it back or there's a large payment at the end. Mm-hmm. This was a press car. So I need to add lots. Only one little bit, though. Really? £545 for the colour tax, which made it a nice and lovely round figure of twenty-five grand, <laughs> which pleased me in a very sad way. Yes. It comes with quite a lot of kit, as I'll explain as we go through through all this. Cool. So what's a van-derived car? Well, it's a car that <laughs> looks a bit like a van. In shape. No. What it is, is the new Rifter is based on the partner van. And this is from the stable from PSA and Vauxhall. So you have the Citroen Berlingo and the Vauxhall Combo Life also have Mm. the same general body shape and everything. It's generally the front end and lights that are tweaked. Yes, the big boxy bit in between is just the same. Yes, it is. Obviously, the one I had has got Peugeot's face put on it and... To be fair, I think you've probably made up your mind looking at the nose, which one you would prefer. They're mm-hmm. each different. They are, it's not like it's just, they've just swapped the badge. Each of the front ends do look distinctly different and distinctly that brand. Hmm. I think the Peugeot one's the best looking one, personally. I do too. I do as well. Although it, the, the Berlingo does run it close and the Vauxhall one mm-hmm. is, is quite a mild looking one compared to those two. If you don't want to shout... <laughs> Yeah, given that the Vauxhall one was done in about a week, I think, in order to, given how quickly they managed to bring that out and bring that to production, I think they did a a dash good job on that, actually. Yeah, they have. I would personally choose the Peugeot, but that's just me. Yeah. The one I had was in cumulus grey, or metallic grey for non-Peugeot language. 
Other options include Bianco White, which is white, Onyx Black, black, Pearl Sand, beige, Nimbus Grey, which is a darker metallic grey, <laughs> Sunset Copper, which is that nice metallic-y, orangey brown mix. Mm, it's a colour that I had the uh, 3008 in, yeah? Yes, that's yeah. it, exactly. And the most boring of all the <laughs> colours, they called Deep Blue, which I think looks really nice on it, which is a metallic dark blue. <laughs> So, so uh, to be fair, I think it's one of those ranges where the colour choices are quite strong across. There's only there's only one I definitely wouldn't have, and that's just a personal preference uh-huh. against white. The rest all seem to work quite well, I think. Yeah, and a, and a varying in sort of tones and stuff, yeah. which is important. Yeah. So the car uh, sat on 17-inch Araki alloys. I thought, yeah, when I was typing this up, I was really impressed with the fact that they've gone for what I think is Japanese on the alloys. Nobody else will ever say it out loud. No, so quite won't. frankly, they can't tell us. And that was the largest uh, wheels you could get from the spec sheet. But I think there's a lot of tyre wall there, so it did a great job with comfort and ride. Other options mm. include a 16-inch steel wheel with Raikurai... Mm wheel trim and a 16 inch taranaki alloy i think i've pronounced the last one best <laughs> good job there yes I, I would give you a a solid uh, a solid eight out of ten for the last one maybe dropping to a dropping to a six and a five yes. to be honest as, <laughs> but you warmed up into it yeah, thank you thank you <laughs> uh, the general look of the rifter is quite a rugged one and i think that's why for me it's pitted the berlingo in the visual stakes the the Belinga is quite a friendly friendly face, but this one's quite rugged. Mm-hmm. It looks like it should do a bit of off roady stuff because they've and well they get extra points from me because there's quite a bit of plastic cladding on it, and you know I'm a big fan of the well. We're all a big fan of the Motoring Podcast of plastic cladding. Yes, that works really well with the the overall look and the design of it. I think it, it's good, and they have color coded roof rails as well. I just think it works really well. It is, okay, it's clearly based on a van, but it takes it away from, you know, it's not just a, oh, we've thrown some seats in a van, now get on with it. They've made an mm-hmm. effort, I feel. Yeah, it's it's kind of a little bit on from previous, or some of the previous van-derived cars. Yeah. Where we ha- it has very much been a case of, yeah, here's your van, here's some seats, that's it. Yeah. Anything else you want, here's the price list. Yeah. They have done a good job of making it definitely a a car aimed at passengers and people so mm-hmm. so yeah, i'm impressed with that talking of which the rear passenger doors are sliding ones which is a brilliant feature especially if you have kids or you've got older people or you go to car parks in britain <laughs> yeah but that which let's face it most of us do that occasionally yes. so it made getting in and out so much easier even if you weren't in a car park with the ridiculously stupid small spaces, just the fact that mm. the doors opened so so far and gave so such easy access, and the front ones were good as well because they they swung out quite wide. But sliding doors, a definite win. Mm-hmm. And access to the boot is twofold. So you've got the option where you can just open the rear window, um, yep. glass bit. So if you're in a tight space or you just need to chuck a bag in and get on something like that, dead easy. Very light, simple to do. But then if you need to uh, open the proper full door, then you can. But it's quite big. Make sure you've got room behind you. 
Just to check, was this one where it was the top hinged rear? Mm -hmm. Yes, that is exactly what it was. Is it possible to get the side hinged ones or, or not? Looking on all the pictures I've seen, they are all top. Okay. I was just curious because that actually is really practical. Yeah. Sometimes if it's, you know, properly van style at the back. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I've not seen any pictures where there's like a double door or anything mm -hmm. or side hinged. So, Right, now I've talked about the boot and it's the motoring podcast. We might as well keep going when we talk about the interior. Yeah. The boot is huge. Absolutely massive. Would you say it was van-like? I would say there is a van-like quality to the spaciousness in the back. <laughs> it's almost right. where you can get an echo in there, okay? And that's mm -hmm. with the back seats up. With the rear seats in play, and and I and we didn't have the long version, which is a seven-seater with the extra two seats come up from the boot floor. We didn't have that. This was just the standard. So there's mm -hmm. 775 litres with the seats up, up to the window line. That's a lot of cartons of orange juice, isn't it? It is. Put the seats down and you can have, for your pleasure, 3,000 <laughs> litres. The, the, the practicality that this and, and the adaptability and the options that gives you as a vehicle are just immense. Hmm. Uh, so, right, okay, we have to start off with a, with a down here, I'm afraid. All right. There was no curry hook. What? Now, before everyone grabs their pitchforks and flaming torches and starts to march upon Peugeot in a, mm -hmm. in a outraged manner, I think I've worked out why. Now... Go on, then. This had better be good if you've worked this one out. What they had was they had an upper glove compartment, front door pockets, full-width overhead storage underfloor storage for rear passengers, zenith roof storage hmm. compartment, dashboard-mounted cup holders, and side pockets in the boot area. In other words, if you can't find somewhere to put whatever was going to dangle off the curry hook in that car, <laughs> I don't think it should be on the curry hook anyway. And, and there was yeah. four hooks in the boot space so you could have a cargo net as well. Hmm. Now... Oh, I think we should note this on the calendar because this is the first time I have defended a lack of curry hook. It is. But it I is, definitely. feel they just about get away with it. Hmm. <laughs> there was so much storage. There, was so, there is, if you have children, there are so many new places in which things that are degrading can be left. It's amazing. <laughs> oh, what was that? I think it was a Satsuma six months ago. Yes. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, if you're really lucky. <laughs> right, so for the rear passengers, there are three full-size proper seats. It's it's like an MPV. It, you would think that somebody has thought, you know what, if, if we do this properly, we can get people in comfort in this. Mm. For that feature alone, and I call it a feature because it's so rare in cars these days, but for that feature mm -hmm. alone, the cracked windscreen family nearly put it on a pedestal and bowed down to it every time they saw it because the complaints and the moaning particularly if the middle seat is not over generous and yes i know they are being somewhat cupcakey and snowflakey and don't know they were born etc but mm -hmm. some cars are less comfortable for a third passenger in the back than others some cars are really incredibly ridiculous for a third passenger yes to be honest they're just not not comfy at all and to an extent i can i can sympathize with even the little windscreens being a bit grumbly when they have to sit in the middle mm. 
but this one that wasn't a problem. So three full seats and three full seats for adults as well. It's not it's not like three kid seats, three proper seats that adults can use. Mm-hmm. What also they had in the back was the two outside passengers could use some flip-up trays that are mounted on the back of the front seats. Mm-hmm. But they it needs to be noted the strength of the holding it upness is not mega. I don't know what the technical term for that is, so that's why I've used uh, a metron podcastness yeah. statement. <laughs> it's fine if you're putting, say, an iPad on there to watch a movie or something like that. Don't lean on it to write because it just falls down. And if you've got a drink in the little mm-hmm. cup holder, you need to be aware that it could collapse. So make sure the lid is on. That is my family advice. We didn't have that problem. We didn't have that problem. That, I was about to say that sounds like experience. No, because I, I spotted before we got moving that the, they weren't super great at staying up. Mm. So I we got around that problem. I, very clear warnings while I was doing the safety briefing of not putting the... Really? <laughs> yes, your exits are there and there and don't put a drink on the tray. <laughs> So if we move up to the front for the driver and the lucky front passenger, there is space. There is just lots of space up front, even though you do feel slightly cocooned, but not in a negative way because there's the high transmission tunnel in between you. So you are sort of cosseted somewhat, but you've got loads of room up there. And the front Mm -hmm. seats are really good, really comfortable. All the seats throughout were cloth seats. They have what felt like a material that was going to last as well. It's not a, yeah, in 20,000 miles, that's really going to show its age. It, they they looked like they were going to last for quite a while. And, uh, you know, they had that sort of feel to it that you'd be able to clean them easily and yeah. they would come back up to snuff. You know, it's that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. We also got adjustable uh, armrests at the front as well, just to be feel the whole sort of, armchairy driving alongness of it all so that was quite nice for the front passenger though there's this daft small little hole below the upper glove box that that had no use whatsoever except for it was the perfect position for the crack screen who had dislocated their knee a few weeks earlier to be able to put their foot in the edge of that hole and keep their legs straight <laughs> Well, we drived along. But other than that, it it was such an odd shape and depth that you couldn't put anything in it without it falling out or rattling around. It was just so bizarre. Could it have held a baguette? No. No, the baguette would have poked you in the eye. What about some garlic? Maybe, Maybe a clove. Maybe a clove, really. So an onion is all out then. I think I think you would not. You might have got. You could have got a small bunch of spring onions. Okay. Yeah. If you look through, if you look through the pictures, you'll see it. Yes, I was about to. Yeah, that's what I'm off to do actually. So I I, I have no idea what that extra glorious bit of stuff was. What did you almost call it? <laughs> glorious storage. Oh, great! No, so it wasn't okay. going anywhere else. Uh, okay, so if we look, if we focus on the driver for a moment, because pretend they're important in a family vehicle, the steering wheel yeah, is one that. of those Peugeot small, slightly flat at the top and the bottom ones, hmm. all connected with the eye cockpit-y stuff. Yeah. Uh, and when you look at the rest of the car and you see the steering wheel, you think, oh, is that right? But as I found with the 5008 and you found with the 3008, 
they're really nice. Mm. They are a, a great size. Again, you've got the problem if you can't get the driving position right with that steering wheel, you can obscure some of the information from the central binnacles. But I didn't have that problem. It was fine for me. Um, the way I like to sit with the, the position of the wheel and all the rest of it, it was I was totally fine with it. But if you're going to, if you're considering the rifter, you need to go and sit and try adjusting it just to be sure that you're going to be happy with that. But that goes with all Peugeots at the moment. Yeah. But most people, I think, you, you do realise, and it does make... I think it makes sense, mm-hmm. but that's just me, maybe. Yeah. On the steering wheels, usual sort of controls you'd expect, cruise control, speed limiter, infotainment, phone controls, all that sort of blah, 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 blah stuff. But they are mm-hmm. there. Uh, on the binnacle, the dials are very clean and clear, so you can see them at a glance, and because they're quite high up as well, uh, relative to the to the screen, windscreen itself, you don't have to look down very far to to get the information you need. Plus, you've got the digital display between the rev counter and the speedo that yeah. you adjust to tell you whatever it is you want it to tell you from the many, many options you have. <laughs> so you can, you can have as much information or as little as you like on that. There's the 8-inch touchscreen mounted at the top of the dash just above the middle vents, which... I think the air vents were really quite pretty in the the shape that they've yeah, gone they're cool, for. Yeah, they cool, aren't they? <laughs> so, which, Craig, even compliments here for air vents, you know. <laughs> but that, I think they've done a great job with it. Anyway, on this touchscreen, there is a proper volume knob. I forgot to check at the time whether the, I presume it's like the 3008 and it will trigger Alan dramatically and actually many of our listeners by the, from the response yes, after, I, after, I was, after the 3008 yeah. review that, uh, no, the volume symbol must stay vertical at all times, please. Thank you very much. It looks like, so I've got a picture up in front of me here and it does look like it's slightly on the P, so, um, yeah. <laughs> But then you've taken the pictures and the steering wheel is slightly on the P as well, so it's kind of hard to tell. Yes. No, yeah, there wasn't a, wasn't a straight picture. On this screen, there are various, uh, I'm not going to call them buttons, but it's indications to press, or where to press to get to things such as the navigation, the phone, the apps, that sort of thing. It's easy to use, but usual caveats with any touchscreen whilst driving or if the car's moving, if it's the passenger... They're always a little bit tricky. You do have to look at what you're doing, et cetera, et cetera. However, Hmm. the positioning of this being so high up, your eye travel is is very small compared to other vehicles we've been in where you have to actually go far down in the dash to see the screen and then you're looking a long way away. Just before we move on from the screen, yeah. because I can see that you're about to, I've got to say, the needles on the dials are really cool. Yes. Yeah, they are. They really are a bit funky. Just, just. It's so easy to read that. It, hmm. it stood out that it was so clear and clean. It's such a clean design mm-hmm. as well that, that they need to be complimented. If everyone could follow that, please. <laughs> that would be sweet. <laughs> Where would the fun be in that? Well, quite. So below the screen in the air vents, uh, there are the heating controls using actual buttons and a toggle switch for temperature adjustment. And before Alan says anything, I do realise that for most people, in most circumstances, they are touched once and left alone, except for maybe the heated seat, and that's Mm -hmm. uh, demisting. However, some of us have the good fortune to have passengers who like to adjust things often. 
uh, on their yes. side of the uh, of the vehicle. So the ability for them to do that without having to press 17 different sub-menus in a screen is, as a driver trying to be as distraction-free as possible, a good thing. Is it not a deterrent, though? Is it not oh, a convenient no. deterrent no, when no, there's no, many, no, many no, levels? No, 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 no. It is an opportunity to get cross about something is what it is. Really? Yes. <laughs> you say it as if this has actually happened. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm surmising. <laughs> In no way or mm. means... It, any likeness to people real or have been real <laughs> is purely coincidental. <laughs> it really is. In the interest of a continued long and happiest marriage. A life. <laughs> Let's go with life first. Right, so below that. <laughs> Before we both the buttons get lynched, of joy, right, come on. there's a space uh, to store the phone, but it's also one of those induction chargers as well. Hmm. There's a cup holder on the passenger side and the stop-start control and electronic brake switch on the driver's side. Slightly further down from that, you've got that high-rise transmission tunnel I was talking about. There's the gear lever, which is in that nicely sort of rounded-off squared shape, which actually feels really good in the hand. It, it looks like it shouldn't, but it does. Is it a squircle? Yes, I think that's probably a good way of putting it. Yes. Um, further back along the tunnel down, we're going full on here, there is a roller shutter over the storage space that's in between the armrests. And that's massive, huge. You could you could put a baguette in that for sure. Right. Uh, and keep it covered up so no no UVs would affect it. How many wine bottles? I don't know. We, we buy them by the box now. So. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's Monday. That's Tuesday. That's... Yeah. Uh, and in the back of that, uh, right at the back of that, area is inside is a 12 volt charging socket on the outside at the back there's an air vent which also has the uh, climate control con controllable fan wise for the rear passengers and there's a usb charging oh, okay. point as well so they can if they're feeling a bit hot they can ramp up the fan or whatever mm -hmm. but uh, we didn't need to do that because the air con in there worked really well and kept everybody at a good happy temperature amazingly <laughs> Doing all the temperatures in all this the... This is the vehicle of dreams so far. <laughs> yes, yeah, I know. Okay. Right, the roof has glass in it, providing a ton of light to the interior, which is which was already well lit because there's large windows. So th and this is called the Zenith Celio Panoramic Glass Roof, according to the spec sheet from Peugeot. <laughs> They've gone to town on the names. <laughs> have, you just, have you just vomited the, the press? Well, I've got to call it the right the thing that they're calling it. <laughs> Right. To increase this, this feeling of vastness and space and airiness, this just enhanced it. But there's a, there's also a sunblind that can cover it up. So if your sun's getting too much, too bright, you can, or you've got, say, children nodding off and, you, and they're complaining of sunlight in their eyes and all that sort of stuff, or babies, then you've got the ability to cover it over. And it, it it's, it's one of those sunblinds that diffuses the light rather than blocks it out completely. And, right, so... If that wasn't enough, running down the centre of the roof is this ambient light thing. There's no name for that. It's an ambient light thing. I'm sorry. We've got a Zenith Cielo panoramic glass roof, and you're going to say there's an ambient light thing. Yeah. <laughs> they, they haven't named that, unfortunately, ah. or fortunately for me. <laughs> 
again, adding to this whole, there's lots of space, it's light, it's airy. The, the roof lining material is quite a light colour, whereas from the, uh, the top of the doors downwards was dark, it was blacks and greys, that sort of thing. Although there was oh. also the Cuente brown interior inserts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not making this up. <laughs> yes. And these were like a dark yes. coppery colour, but they actually broke up the blackness and greyness of the interior materials quite well, and it worked quite well, I thought. Good. That's a relief. Okay, now to clear this up... Yeah, I was just going to check. Tell me about the plastics, Andrew. Are there some hard plastics? Yes, there are. Of course there are. Come on. It, look at the price of this vehicle, what it's trying to do, what it's based on, what's where, you know, of course there is going to be. Are they where you don't expect them to be? No. Will the interior last? Yes, I think it will. I think it will put up with a lot of abuse, which it got in just only a week from our lot, but a lot of abuse over its lifetime, and it will still look pretty good. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want at a car interior that's aimed at what this thing is at to do. Lifestyle family aimed. Yeah, basically, yeah. Right, driving. Yes, Tell us about your lap record. Yes. Okay. Being a large, high-sided, raised-up vehicle designed to carry many people and things, this is obviously perfect for the Nürburgring. No. No, Mm -hmm. it's not. It does all that, and it does it in comfort as well. Everyone commented about how it was a really nice ride. It was pretty quiet. It was the seats were good. So it's done all that. It's not there to hoon around in. And if you tried it, I think... Well, for starters, you need to get something else because otherwise you and really the most important thing, your passengers are going to be very disappointed with you. <laughs> how, how much body roll is there into coordinates and stuff? Is it's it, a bit. But is, it's, it a, is it a bit, uh, or is it mostly okay? It's, it's mostly okay. There's a bit. You know, if, if, you, if you are trying to drive a bit too fast, then it, you notice it more and more because it obviously it's finding it harder to sort itself out but you just mm-hmm. you just you was it you got you say chauffeur mode isn't it you just basically get into chauffeur yeah. mode with it and you go along and go it's going to take this long to get there there is no point trying any harder because it that's going to be grim for everyone involved if the trio in the back aren't grumbling too much then that makes the the time it takes far more pleasant even if it is a little bit longer yeah it? exactly so you know it's <laughs> By losing on one hand, you are gaining the other. So it's, hmm. yeah, not not a problem. For quite a large vehicle, it's dead easy to drive around. I have been trying to find out, but I can't for sure, if there's a like a city steering mode where it gets lighter in town. Because it felt really light in town, and yet it felt a bit weighted when you were going at speed. It's that's normally just part of the how they've they've set up the electric power assistance because it can just it can just do that and say well we want it nice and light in town we want it heavier on the road oh, well, yeah. so that's that's kind of pretty much how that works and and so there probably isn't a separate mode but that's what it'll be programmed to do to be lighter when you're going slower yeah well it, it does that perfectly uh, the visibility as you would expect is great uh, and the fact that the the front end is quite close to you. And it's quite short, and it is quite a. It's almost a, a vertical down, and the fact that the back obviously is squared off, you know where your corners are, and you can you mm-hmm. you can see where you are in relation to everything really well. Because this didn't have a rear view camera, 
which at first I was a bit surprised at considering the size and the where it sits, this car sits in the spec spectrum, even the, the specification spectrum. The, sp- <laughs> the spectrum, yeah. So, so I was surprised, <clears throat> but it, it had uh, front and rear sensors, and they did a great job because I knew exactly where it was, except for one occasion when I was in a supermarket car park and I was reversing up, and I knew there was a Fiesta behind me, and it didn't bleep once, and I got quite close just using mirrors and knowing where I was in the mm-hmm. bay and everything. And I, I got quite close and it still and it didn't bleep at all. And I, I don't know why that is because it's not as though the car was below sensors or anything like that. It just, for some reason at that day, that time, maybe the conditions, maybe there was light reflecting off it. It just didn't spot it. Did you no- accidentally knock the magic button or something? No, 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 mm-hmm. no. Cause it, cause I, I left there and went somewhere else to reverse it and it was working then. So, but. Oh, right. But again, because the rear the the wing mirrors are a good size as well, so it's easy to use them to help spot things. So mm-hmm. uh, the engine was pretty good. Uh, the one point five diesel. I've not driven PSA's diesel before. That was the first time I've driven that, and I was impressed with it. The low down grunt was great, uh, and the fuel consumption I was really impressed with because it was five of us with all our gear for a week away. Mm-hmm. Which what did you say you got forty something? Forty nine point seven. Whoa. And considering it's as aerodynamic as a brick, mm-hmm. and we were doing a fair amount of motorways, we were doing little lanes and some town as well. You know, we we did the whole whole gambit, um, so I, I was pretty impressed with that. I'd like to test the one point two liter magic engine, the petrol engine, directly one after the other, and see what differences there were because I, I it was so long since I tried it, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. And I'd be interested to see how the auto box gets on with everything as well. But that's just a personal little thing I'd like to... That's just nosiness, yeah. really, rather than anything yeah. else. The, what, what The six-speed was great. The engine was great. You know, so many people apparently in this, looking for this sort of car, want a diesel anyway, even though there's the anti-diesel brigade out there. So hmm. uh, the, the engine's great. And there's a, there's other options. There's a 130 now uh, out there. Yes, there is. Which will probably shift as well. Yeah. In true French vehicle fashion, it'll go significantly quicker than you ever think it should. Mm, absolutely. Uh, now, I reckon if you add the advanced grip control option, which is possible, you've got this little extra clearance ride. I think you've got a car that will go to most places in most weathers in the UK at that point. I Especially agree, if yeah. you stick winter yeah. tyres on as well, if it's that time of year. Mm-hmm. I think you've yeah, yeah. you've got all the four by four ness you'd need, really, for most people. So, I mean, you you were laughing earlier about the family lifestyle thing, but I think that just nails it on the head there. Yeah, I I, I gave it a good old testing out, and I really liked the the adv- the grip assist. So, um, yeah, yeah, no, I no reason why not. Um, I, and it's it's yeah more than most people need a four wheel drive for anyway because tires are so much more important. Mm, absolutely right. Technology wise, there's not tons in this. We've got the i um, cockpit that we've discussed previously, but uh, this had safety park, active lane departure, speed limit recognition, hill start assist, TomTom Nav, Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, Peugeot Connect SOS and assistance. So that's come in after the eu mandated that there must be mm-hmm. uh if your vehicle's in an accident then it calls home and says there's a problem but you can also press a button and speak to somebody to say this is where i yeah. am these are the things so so that's it on the uh the tech side of things so there's kind of what what you really need to have yeah, and that's it basically. but it's got carplay and carplay and uh, android auto and stuff yeah. which is great yeah 
Yeah, and the satnav is really good. The TomTom satnav is very good. Mm. If if you don't want to use the Apple or or, or Waze, yeah. So this is going to be overwhelmingly positive. I mean, I, I don't, I haven't heard you say anything that's blotted its the, that it's blotted its copybook over, other than perhaps the lack of the lack of a curry hook, which you for which you seem to have forgiven it already. Yes. Yeah. The worst thing I could say was the the no curry hook. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's basically how this has gone. So, yeah, yeah surprising no one. Mm. I can't work out, and I've asked around on Twitter several times, chatting to uh, motion journalists and, and the likes, so if there is a better or more efficient use of space for a family vehicle or someone who needs to transport stuff than the van-derived car at the moment. I can't think of another... For doing so much in the footprint of the car... I'm, I I struggle. It's as close as you can buy at the minute to an MPV. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It really is, and it really is. It's, it's a van with windows. Yeah, I, I know it's a it's a it's a van with windows, nicely done. Yes, I don't want to say that as something disparaging, but it is it's a van with windows. Yeah, well, I, I I think that PSA has done a brilliant job of of lifting perceptions away from just as what you said there. Mm. You know, it's a van with windows. It's so much more than that now. With what, how they've kitted it out, what they've put inside, and how they've gone about it, it's just such an excellent vehicle for the purpose it's mm. been it's been designed for and put on the market. That thought that's gone into how someone may use it, and they've they've catered for a wide range of of things. There. I mean, they're obviously catering for people who want to throw in mountain bikes or canoes or stuff like that, as well as families yeah. and everything. You know, and the the amount of storage that is available. Is, is truly staggering. <laughs> that, hmm. I mean, I had to do two checks on the car to make sure I'd taken everything out of it before they came to take it away. Because <laughs> I thought, hang on, have I checked storage option twenty three? I don't. I'm not sure. <laughs> Were you going to be the um, the 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 semi mythical person who left their golf clubs in the boot type thing yes. without noticing? Yeah, it's going to be something like that. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, okay, we've, we've had a bit of a laugh about the storage and everything, but that makes such a huge difference if you've got a family. It does. That you can have just the right things available in the areas you may need them and at quick notice as well. Stroke mm. emergencies is, is, is a very useful thing. I think that probably the best way I can sum up the Peugeot Rifter is it is now the only car on our, on our list for next family hauler. This surprises me not one jot. Yes, because I've talked to you many times <laughs> about it. Yes, but it was always going to be right from the off, right when you said, oh, yeah, I booked a Rifter. Once I'd stopped giggling at the name Rifter, <laughs> then it was like, oh, yeah, I can see where this is leading. But the important thing for... Me is it's easy for me to like a vehicle, mm-hmm. but will the other person who could potentially drive it like it and not feel overwhelmed at the size? But they didn't at all. No, no, which is good. Yep, which is awesome. No, well, well done. Which <laughs> seems like the most ridiculous thing to say. At yes, that well point. done, Peugeot. You're at the high, at the high bar you've hit there. <laughs> it, is, it is to an extent. Yes, yes. No, no. That's that's great. I'm pleased to. Pleased to hear you got on well with it as well. Uh, And everyone got on well with it. No, excellent. 
I think that just about does us. So don't forget, everyone, that between now and next time, you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts with the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Uh, don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. They really do matter. Andrew, if people want to ask more about the ridiculous naming of the brown of the interior bits, or whatever it was, uh, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? The best way to get in touch with me to talk about all things Rifter is through Twitter. If you search for Crap Windscreen, you should find me there. And Alan, if people would like to get in touch with you and and congratulate you on not having to announce the ridiculously named alloy wheel options what's the best way for them to get in touch with you get in touch with me via twitter where i'm too lazy to include them in my review and i'm also at ajp bradley b-r-a-d-l-e-y we'll be back before very long but until then i've been alan bradley i've been andrew clues and safe motoring